Today's guest is Bill Bean. He is a world-renowned exorcist, spiritual deliverance minister, and spiritual warrior who has performed hundreds of spiritual exorcisms all over the world. He is also an internationally known author, lecturer, and paranormal slash supernatural expert. He has been in movies, television shows, and given over 2,000 interviews and tonight we got him here on the podcast. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Jeff. Thank you for having me. And thank you. So, Bill, how did you get into this supernatural stuff? What an amazing journey it's been. Um, and it's certainly nothing that I was seeking. I was a child when these things began. And um, it started with my family, Jeff. My, uh, I'd found out after writing my first book, Dark Force, I found out that my mother had many paranormal supernatural experiences in her childhood and and her siblings as well. And it carried over into her adult years. And uh, she and my dad found this house. They were married in 56. My sister was born in 57. I was born in 66. And then we have a brother that was born in 69. Uh, And in 1970, they found this house uh, in Glen Burnie, Maryland, in a community called Herondale. And uh, it was a type of fixer upper house. It was semi dilapidated to be even more frank. Um, And my dad, William senior, who was a master carpenter saw it as a restoration project. So he and my mother, Patricia Bean, um, you know, they find this place, they get it. They want to fix it up, which they did. But I got to tell you, I was four years old when we moved there. And my first recollections, I was four, my sister was 13, and um, we were standing in front of the house for the first time, and both of us were frightened. Uh, you know, here I am, four years old. I don't know why I'm frightened, but there was something very ominous and foreboding about that place. So we knew from the very beginning. And the house was located at the bottom of a downhill cul-de-sac, and it had a very long and deep ravine located behind it. And um, you would walk in through the front door and it was dark. There was this dark brown paneling on the walls and it was black in color. So the uh, house was just as ominous and foreboding on the inside. And uh, I've learned over the years through my own personal experiences and now dealing with uh, other people who are having these types of problems. When evil is present, you will feel Uh, atmospheric change. There'll be like a heaviness and a pressure, Mm -hmm. sometimes a ringing in the ears, Mm -hmm. uh, accompanied by just awful smells, uh, smells of sulfur or rotted meat or something like that. You know, something that is just rotten and decaying. Um, And that house had everything and then some. And so I think my parents knew from the start that that something was amiss uh, spiritually in the home. But my dad was a man's man. He was a very, very rugged individual, uh, was, again, a master carpenter, a jack of all trades and a master of all of them and wasn't afraid of anything and certainly didn't believe in that stuff. Yet I still believe from the very beginning that both he and my mother had a sense that there was some type of presence there among us. And um, my mom was the first to have an experience in the house that it took place shortly after moving in. 
It took place in the living room while she was unpacking boxes and organizing. My dad had taken us with him for the day to uh, my grandparents' house to allow her to have this time to organize without us being under her feet. And it was during the course of this that she felt a presence come into the room. And she thought it was my dad sneaking back in to play a joke on her. And uh, she spun around fully anticipating on seeing him, but to her shock, you know, there was nothing there and it unnerved her and she was taken aback by it, perplexed. And, uh, you know, certainly uh, standing there just sort of scratching her head wondering what just happened, but was eventually able to collect herself and go back to doing what she was doing. And then my sister's uh, bedroom door, which located at the end of the hallway, the last room on the left, that door slammed shut by itself. And that was enough to make her go outside and wait until we returned. So that's where it began. And it gradually escalated into more of these types of events. And then uh, downright physical attacks on some of us, especially my mother, by these demonic forces. And it greatly contributed to the destruction of my family. And boy, I was nearly destroyed as well. So that's where it started. I was very much a victim. I lived in the fear-based, trauma-based way of thinking and living for many, many years of my life throughout my entire childhood, uh, even into my uh, adult years. And so this was something that was bent on destroying me, and it certainly destroyed my family. Neither of my parents lived to see the age of 50, and many other family members are gone as well. And I understand it now, Jeff. Uh, I really believe that we... At that point in time, we were supposed to uh, have those experiences. Certainly I was, because I feel that God had a purpose for me before I even came into this world. And I think the devil knew that, and the devil was going to do anything and everything to stop me from being where God wanted me and needed me to be in helping others. So that is my best um, guess as to why it happened and furthermore, in God choosing me to be this spiritual warrior now, in connecting with other people, people have come to me uh, from all over the world and nearly 50 other countries um, for help. And I couldn't be where I'm at right now in God working through me to be that help to people had I not been there to have those types of experiences. I could be the greatest, most brilliant man in the world big scholar and, you know, uh, smart about everything. But if I go into a situation like that and I've never had the experience, well, there's no way to connect with the person that is having the experience. So it's all a part of the journey. And though I wish I could go back and change some things, I can't. And I just thank God and praise God for the calling that he's put on my life. And this is something that uh, I will do. Uh, as long as there's a breath in my body, or if God puts another calling on me. So after having all these demonic attacks during your life, did you then make the decision to go to seminary to be able to become a person who does exorcisms? Or how did that all play out for you? This is just so amazing. The The whole thing is just so amazing. And, and people would just shake their heads and go, wow, how could this guy have experienced all these things? But I assure you and your audience that everything that I'm saying is true. Uh, as crazy or miraculous as it may sound, 
this is something that God brought about. So I never went to seminary school. Matter of fact, um, I had to drop out of school in the eighth grade after the uh, sudden death of my mother, who died two months after her mother, uh, my beloved grandmother, Dora Harvey, and my beloved mother, Patricia Bean, died uh, about two months and two days apart from each other. They were the two closest people to me in my life. I was devastated um, beyond words. And I quit school in the eighth grade, lied about my age, and I had to go to work. I went to work for a construction company, and I had to grow up very, very quickly. I was a skinny kid that had been traumatized so many times over, and here I am now in a world with men and some really tough guys. And uh, so I had to grow up very, very quickly. I was paying room and board to live somewhere, $40 a week back then, um, to live somewhere at a very young age. And uh, so with all of that, it was a journey full of mistakes. I could probably write a 500-page book on the mistakes that I've made in life, but all part of a learning process. And then my life did not change until I decided to make God first in my life. Now, this is not the phony televangelism talk, uh, beating people over the heads with the Bible and all this kind of stuff. This is real talk. And I was at a point in my life, and certainly after losing my mother and grandmother, I didn't even want to live anymore. I was just existing. And so I did. I drank. I did drugs. Uh, I was violent. I hung out with the worst of the worst people, grew up on the streets, and again, made a lot of mistakes. I could have very easily have ended up in prison or dead. I've been in many life-threatening situations. God has spared my life many times over the years. And... Uh, it wasn't until I decided really, truly to make God first in my life and, and want to have a real and authentic relationship with him. And then he had his son, Yahshua, Jesus the Christ, you know, come in to guide me on my path. And I can never thank God and praise God enough for saving me and then transforming my life from victim to victor. But it was a process, Jeff, and it was two steps forward and three steps backward for a long time. I prayed to God, asked him to take the, the, the drinking and the drug use off of me, and he did. I never went to one AA or NA meeting. I prayed about this. I was sincere in my prayer, and God took it. And he took the urges to use those things. And boy, I'm so grateful and thankful. Now I see it as my mortal enemy. Um, so from there, you know, in the beginning, it's this personal growth and personal transformation. But then I found that the stronger that my faith was becoming, and I started reading the Bible uh, in childhood, I never read the Bible. My parents believed in God, but we never once attended church. We were not baptized, nothing like that. Um, but here I found myself, you know, in this real and authentic relationship with God, reading the Bible every day. Uh, and then I got to a point to where I felt like God was putting a calling on my life. And this happened after my wife and I got baptized together. And then I felt like, God had really put this, and I thought to myself, God must have a sense of humor. What to choose somebody like me to? I can't go make a positive difference for anybody. Are you kidding me? You know, I had such a low opinion of myself, 
And um, then I realized as this calling continued that maybe I could be a service to my fellow man. Maybe God really could work through me to help people. And at that point, I started studying the Bible. So there's a big difference between reading the Bible and studying. And I spent four years in serious biblical studies and in historical studies as well. I learned a lot from encyclopedias too. And uh, so I, this was a real process of gaining this knowledge. And let me tell you, knowledge is power. So I went from an individual that uh, had a very low opinion of myself to someone now that was growing in every aspect of my life and certainly in the knowledge aspect of things. Then I, as I was growing in knowledge, the confidence was coming in. And I felt a sense of empowerment. And then um, I did become an ordained uh, minister in 2013. And I started, uh, you know, people were, long before that, Jeff, people were asking me for help as far back as 2006. But I couldn't do it because I felt like I was, there's no way, you know, I'm just uh, inadequate to be of service to anyone so I resisted all of that for a long time, but yet here I was by 2013, you know, now a minister and ready to step out there and help people. And I'll never forget the first time I, I helped this family in Maryland. And I knew right away when I entered into their home, I knew that this was my purpose in life. This is what I was supposed to be doing. And I understood at that point why God had called me to do it. And for me, it's the greatest thing to know what your purpose in life is. And from that very first time, you know, throughout hundreds and hundreds of cases now around the world, um, it's astonishing. It's miraculous. It's amazing. I don't use these words lightly, but this is what God has done for me. And this is what he does through me in helping others. So it's, uh, I wouldn't trade my life with anybody's life on this planet. You are the first exorcist that I've ever even talked to so some of my questions may seem very <laughs> simple, but I'm just wanting to know, you know, I want to know what's going on. So you studied in you the Bible. You can ask me anything. Great. Let's just say the first people that um, approached you, did they just say something like, hey, somebody's my sister or my child is, I feel like she's possessed. Do you think you can help us out? What, what put me on the map for people to even contact me in the first place? was I uh, was approached by the A Haunting series in 2005. And they wanted to do a story about my life and the experiences that my family and I had gone through. And so uh, the episode aired on September 7, 2006. And it's one of the most watched and rebroadcasted episodes in the history of that series. And it went worldwide. And this is what opened the door for people to start contacting me. Now, again, keep in mind, this is 2006. So I was not the spiritual warrior then. I was still still having some problems. And yet here people are contacting me for help. So that's what put me on the map. And then I started doing, after that, uh, Jeff, there were days that I was doing four and five interviews in a day. There were weeks that I was doing you know, 15, 20 interviews in a week. Um, just unbelievable the amount of people 
that were a wanted to interview me from around the world and b then the audience some of the audience you know from those different shows were contacting me and you know asking me for help or telling me their stories or whatever so this went on for a long time i tried to refer them to people that i thought could help them but then you know after 2013 um you know now i become this spiritual warrior and the people continue to contact me because I continue to do the interviews and, you know, whether it's coast to coast uh, radio or um, some of these TV shows on travel channel, uh, you know, if it's a haunting or the holes or files or ghost nation or whatever it may be um, that's exposure. And these people see me and then they contact. And uh, mm-hmm. so it's been an amazing journey and I do my best to get to everybody as quickly as I can. I'm one man. I don't have a church behind me. I don't have, uh, I have assistants that help me with the bookings, but I don't have a staff. Uh, I've had people offer me money to train them and I won't do it unless I feel that it is a calling from God, because this stuff's very dangerous, Jeff. I've seen people do this kind of stuff that I've been called to go and help because they got involved in this and it was destroying their life and their families' lives as well. So this is not to be taken lightly. It's very, very dangerous. And if not for the calling that God put on my life, there is no way in a million years I'd be doing it. Let me backtrack for a second. The first TV show contacted you in 2005, right? Yes, and the show aired in 2006. What were they contacting you for at that time? Just your maybe the history of your family's house being haunted or something? Yes. Uh, I, at that time... And I started out giving interviews probably, I want to say, in 1996. I started out uh, giving interviews locally on the Dr. Bob Hieronymus show in Baltimore, 21st Century Radio. So uh, Dr. Bob is the first interview I did. I'm grateful to him for that. And so maybe the story started circulating around from there. And I don't know how these producers got it. But they did. They knew all about my story. And, you know, they sent me an email first and asked if I could call them, which I did. Mm. We talked about it. They knew the gist of the story, you know. And then when I started giving them the particulars and then they asked me to email them the particulars, um, you know, then we came up with this date and time to do the shoot where their producers came to Maryland and, uh, you know, we, we did the shoot and, um, and then it aired, in, uh, like I said, September uh, 7, 2006, mm-hmm. once it aired, you know, that was it. That's what put me on the map. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's just been uh, ever since that day, it's just been a cavalcade of people either contacting me for help or producers contacting me to come on their shows, whether that's TV or radio or whatever it may be, or I've made lots of appearances as well. You know, currently with COVID, I'm not going anywhere, but um, you know, I've made these appearances all over the United States. Uh, I have written eight books. I just completed my eighth book, which is called Stranger Than Fiction Part Two. Um, but the first book was called Dark Force, and that's what my story is based on, mm-hmm. and uh, just drew a tremendous response. Traditionally, I feel like exorcisms were being done through the Catholic Church. So, um, mm-hmm. so 
maybe they were training their priests, but I guess what I want to know is what kind of training did you and or do they or anybody <laughs> else gets to do that? Well, that's why I call what I do a spiritual deliverance. Now, I have to say exorcism because people identify with that term, that word. So when I say exorcism, you know right away what I do. But if I said, you know, I do spiritual deliverance, you'd go, well, what is that? Well, it's another variant of exorcism. And and you're right. The Catholic Church performs exorcisms. And um, what they do, and no criticism to them at all, what they do is more of a ritual and uh, defensive in some aspects, and it's no criticism. What I do, again, it is a calling by God, and it is the power of God that works for me. So I don't, you would never ever, if you listen to all of my interviews, you would never ever hear me take credit or glory for anything. I give all the praise and thanks to God. Nobody trained me in anything. This is, again, miraculous, Jeff. I didn't take lessons. I didn't look at anybody doing anything. I did this by God guiding me. And again, in claiming nothing, God gives me a knowing of things. That's the best way that I can put it to you. And it's almost automatic in some instances as to what I should be doing, it's saying, especially when it comes to these types of things. So yes, I do have, uh, I could show you an outline of what I would most likely do and say in every instance, yet God does have me do things a little differently per individual. And I never know what that's going to be until I'm there and then I'll get that message from God that I need to do this. In some instances, when I'm performing these spiritual deliverances slash exorcisms, um, I could be doing this over a person or family that may be in the living room. But yet there have been times where God has guided me to have that person where persons go in and stand in a tub of water. I would bless the water first and have them stand in there and perform it over them while they're standing in this blessed holy water. So it does vary. And I just completely trusted God to guide me in however he will guide me. But I have to tell you, now I've been in some situations now, of course, this started for me in childhood, having levels of trauma at the age of five that are off the charts. Uh, no child should ever have to endure trauma like I did. That said, applying that to the current and some of the situations that I've been in, whether that is with clients that were possessed or even uh, in life-threatening situations, it helped me to be cool under pressure. So I guess it was necessary for me to have sustained those levels of trauma as a child in order to be able to to be able to better deal with that now in the current and staying cool and calm and collected and in control of the situation because I've had situations to where people were totally, completely possessed. They tried to, uh, in one instance, it's coming to mind right away, uh, this individual tried to uh, 
I backed the person in a corner, literally, and they charged out and tried to hit me with a glass. I blocked it. Um, then was trying to bite me, spitting all over me, um, calling me every name in the book. It was a physical struggle. Uh, I had to subdue the person. And that person had superhuman strength. When demonic forces are taking over a person, they develop superhuman strength. So it was by the power of God working through me that helped me to be able to control this individual. And it was, uh, it would be something that you would have to see with your own eyes to truly believe what I'm saying to you. But at one point, I'm subduing this person, but at the same time, binding and rebuking and casting out these demons that are taking over this person. And man, this lasted for quite a while. And, and when these things take place, it's absolutely draining mentally, spiritually, and physically. And that was one of the, might've been the most severe uh, exorcism in case of demonic possession that I've ever been involved in. And it got physical three times during this. And it went on for hours and God did work through me to uh, free this person from evil, but you just would, and even if you were there watching it yourself, you'd probably still be going like this and say, am I really seeing and hearing this? And all the different voices that were coming out of this person, I had to bind and rebuke and cast out every time a different demon manifested and voice, I had to bind and rebuke and cast that out. So it was just an unbelievable process which uh, the, the culmination of it um, ended up in this big garden soaker tub. And it was a physical struggle to get the person in the tub. And then as I did that, you could feel it start and, uh, starting to weaken. And then I start speaking to the person saying, I know you're in there. And God is with you and God is working through me to help you. And I want you to know that. And I want you now to start coming back and start taking your life back. It's time. And the more I said those things, you could feel the grip lessening on the individual. And it's amazing, Jeff, because when you know a person's free, you will see, just imagine somebody holding you up by your shirt collar and you're against the wall and you're like on your tippy toes. When those evil forces let go of the person, they will slump. They'll slump like that, and then they'll start to cry. It's an amazing thing to see. So I ended up, uh, when they finally let this person go, it was after I had baptized her. So I got her to go under the water, and after I pulled her back up, then it was that letting go, that slumping feeling. And it was the greatest thing for me to know that she was okay and she was going to be okay. But after it was all over with, I'll never forget this. Um, it happened uh, in October of 2017. And after that was all over with, I, I was in a suit. I was soaked. Um, and I, after it was over, I just went to this diner and I had my head in my hands. I was so drained. I can't describe to you in words how absolutely drained I was after this. And God always has a way of you know, regenerating me and, and reviving me. Uh, but boy, oh boy, when these things take place, especially when it's severe like that, it is absolute. It, it, and in some of these instances, if I had given over to fear, I've had people try to, one, to shoot me, hand me their gun, say they want to shoot me. 
uh, want to stab me. Uh, had people try to stab me with knives and shards of glass. You just wouldn't believe it. Um, it at any point, if I were to lose control and give in to fear, it's over. It's over for me. It's over for the person I'm trying to help. So I have to remain strong, calm, in control, and most of all, in faith that God truly is going to work through me to deliver this person from evil. That's pretty amazing. Do you mind giving me an example of what kind of trauma you had as a child? What do you mean by that? Yeah, the first experience that I had was in 1971 at the age of five. Now, this came almost a year later after my sister had a similar experience in her room. So I'm asleep in my bed. Now, I'll give you a quick layout of the house. You walk in through the front door and you come into the living room. And again, it's this dark brown paneling on the walls. You would make a right down a long hallway, which had this hard tiled floor on the hallway. I shared the first room on the right with my brother. The second room on the right was my parents' room. And then the uh, room across the hall, the last room on the left, that was my sister's room. So I'm asleep in my bed. Um, My bed is closest to the door of the hallway. I'm asleep in my bed. Something wakes me from my sleep. I can't see anyone or anything there. And so yet at the same time, even at the age of five, I know that something is there. So I got frightened and I'm going to get out of the left side of the bed and I'm going to go in and get my parents because I'm frightened now. As I get up out of the bed, a tremendous force grabbed me by my shoulders, slammed me back on the bed and pinned me to the bed. And I've given well over 2000 interviews now. And and in each and every time that I describe this, I just, it takes me back there and I can't again in words accurately describe the level of trauma that I was feeling at that time. I felt like my heart was going to jump out of my body. I felt like I was going to die. Uh, And all these horrible things were happening to me. And it seemed like it was going on for hours. I'm sure it was probably just a few minutes, the whole thing, but just again, things that you would have to see for yourself to to really have a grasp of what I'm saying. But I will say this, out of all the horrible things that were happening, and the only things that seemed to be working were my eyes. I I tried to scream out for my parents. I couldn't. My mouth wouldn't work. Um, My body would not move. Yet, at the foot of my bed, I could see with my eyes uh, like this mist, like is like an ectoplasm it's forming it's white and all of a sudden this angelic looking lady is there at the foot of my bed it's suddenly all of the horrible things that are happening to me suddenly stop and this i have to believe that it was an angelic being because again i was the level of trauma was off the charts the things that were happening to me Um, and now suddenly it's gone with the appearance of this being. And she smiled and gazed at me. And I felt so much love, comfort, and protection from this being. 
And then suddenly she just turns and then goes right up through the ceiling, floats right up through the ceiling, gone. Now I can move everything. I jump out of bed. I go in and get my parents, wake them up. My dad was not happy about that. Mm. Um, And the most amazing thing about the whole thing is that the being that manifested looked exactly like my mother. Incredible. Exactly like her. And furthermore, that angelic being helped me many more times when I was having similar attacks throughout my shit. It happened to me many times, Jeff. But it was also happening to my mother. And she actually came and helped her. So can you imagine seeing some type of being that you believe is an angel that comes and they look exactly like you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely amazing. I'll never forget it. Um, So talking about these demonic things, yes, I've had many demonic things and and my mother suffered far greater than I did. Mm -hmm. Other family members as well, including my dad, but my, my mother suffered the most. And yet there was an angelic presence in this battle of good versus evil. And so uh, I I find that to this day to be amazing that, yes, we suffered greatly. Yes, my family was destroyed. But yet there was this angelic presence that was there for several times throughout the years to save us. Uh, In my case, at that point in time, you know, being at the age of five, had that gone on much longer, something could have snapped in me mentally. Uh, I could have died anything. You know, when you have that level of trauma and, and you are, you know, maxed out now in this, you could have had a heart attack, anything. Um, so it's just utterly amazing to look back on some of this stuff. And I really, the, I guess the gravity of the whole thing, it really didn't hit me until I started writing my first book, Dark Force, because I had to go back and revisit those things and and put myself back in, you know, that stuff. And that's when it really hit me. And I thought, dear God, how did we endure all of that for so long? Pre-COVID times, how busy were you in going to people's houses and doing these spiritual deliverances once a week, every day, once a month? Uh, once a week going to the houses, but then it got to be twice a week. So there'd be times I would take a trip. This is how crazy it was getting. If I had to take a trip to California, oftentimes I wouldn't sleep the night before because it would be a very early morning flight. And if I know I have to get up real early, I can't sleep. Furthermore, my body is geared. I don't get to bed until five, sometimes 6 a.m. now. Um, So A lot of times I don't sleep the night before if I'm taking a big trip. So I wouldn't sleep the night before. You can't sleep on airplanes. I'm a very light sleeper. So any little noise, you know, if I did drift off, I'd be awake again very easily and quickly. Um, So I'd fly out to L.A. or wherever. I've been to every part of California, probably been to every part of every state just about in in the nation. Um, So I would get out there. Uh, check into the hotel, you know, get a shower, maybe sometimes try to sleep for two hours if I could, and then be at the client's home. Then you're there until it's done. And sometimes 
I would be coming out of uh, a home at three, four, five. Sometimes the sun would be coming up. Uh, it's over when God deems it to be over. And uh, so after that, a lot of times, even flying, you know, somewhere that's uh, thousands of miles with a three-hour time difference, I would find myself getting back on a plane probably that afternoon or that evening coming all the way back home. Now think about the jet lag. Just think about that, you know, each way. Mm -hmm. And then I would have to get ready and take another trip out someplace else. So there were times like that where I was taking two trips a week. And that in itself was miraculous to where God was keeping me in good health, even though I was sleep deprived. He was still keeping me in good health and working through me to help people. So yes, uh, Jeff, it was crazy there for a long time. And since the COVID, you know, I haven't traveled. I've had a couple of local things, but I'm, uh, again, I'm not afraid uh, to get it, but I would never forgive myself if I gave that to my wife or people close to us or whatever. So I try to be very cautious. We are not to tempt God. So there are some people that would say, oh, he's crazy. If you have real faith, you just go ahead. Well, um, I don't tempt God, just like Jesus said. So I'm not going to take a gun and hold it to my head and say, well, I've got such strong faith. I'll pull this trigger. And I know that there's six bullets in there, but it won't penetrate my skull. No, uh, we don't tempt God in that way. When the devil told Jesus, go ahead and jump off the cliff. He'll save you. If you've got such faith, he'll, and he said, we are not to tempt God. So I try to live by that. I try to be kind and considerate. Um, this will pass. And I pray that God will just kill this thing and get it out of here soon. That's what I pray. But until that time comes, I am not traveling. Uh, but I am, and I thank God for this as well. The next best thing to being there is something like this. So I can do these sessions via Zoom, via Skype, and it is very effective. And I thank God and praise God for that. So I'm still able to help people, even though I can't physically go out there. I'm still, God is working through me to help people. Hmm. So I'm still very busy. When you have traveled to other countries and done this work, have you ever traveled to any non-Christian countries? I've helped people uh, right away. It comes to mind Cairo, Egypt. Um, they're Muslims. They, they were, you know, and, and God worked through me to help them. And their version of demons is the jinn. And uh, so it all comes down to faith. I've had another, uh, another family that comes to mind. They were in France. I do not speak French. They didn't speak English. Yet, somehow, some miraculous way, God worked through me to deliver that family from evil, even though they couldn't understand what I was saying. Mm -hmm. By invoking the power of God over the situation, he alleviated the situation and freed that family from evil. I will never, ever forget that, <laughs> Jeff. I've been in situations to where, again, you would look at it and you go, this guy's got to be a BSer. He, there's no way these things could have happened. It happened. I've been in the most impossible situations imaginable, yet God made a way and God took care of the situation through me. It's just amazing. We could go all night long. I could tell you story after story. Once you clear somebody out from the possession, are they fixed or will they ever get possessed again? And that's a great question. And here's the answer. People have to be very careful. 
So when they, and, and not everybody's possessed. Uh, there are some people that are under an oppression, which is the step below being possessed. Uh, you know, when the person says nothing's going right in their life and they are having these supernatural experiences, could be even uh, demonic attacks and sometimes sexual in nature. Um, you know, they're not far from the, because that's what builds up and leads up to a full possession. So after the exorcism deliverance takes place, I give people step-by-step instruction and prayers to say every single day. I still say it myself. This is invoking the power of God over your life every day. So I will give people step-by-step instruction. The first thing that I do every day in my life without fail, I am consistent and will do so and be so for the rest of my life. I thank God and praise God for the day, the moment that my eyes open. Why? For the people who say God doesn't work miracles, I beg to differ. He works a miracle for us every single day when we open our eyes. It's a miracle of life. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not guaranteed anything. Life is a gift. And I praise God for that gift of life every single day. And then I get on my knees and pray. So I start my day off with God and then I end it. I don't care how tired I am. I don't care if it's five o'clock in the morning. I don't care if it's six o'clock in the morning. I say a spiritual warfare prayer before I go to bed, invoking the power of God over me. And then I declare victory in each and every day of my life. Am I perfect? No. Do I claim to be? No, I'm real. Uh, However, my life is 50 times more blessed than it's ever been cursed. And I can never thank God and praise God enough for that. So I stay consistent in this, Jeff. And I share this with my clients and say, look, this is how God transformed my life. This is my level of dedication to God. So it is a rock solid relationship. And if you can attain that and maintain that, you're not going to have these problems anymore. I will never be a victim to anyone or anything again. And I could say that by the power of God and I thank him and praise him for it. And that is what I try to instill into these people to abandon the fear-based trauma-based way of thinking and living and allow God to transform them into what I call warrior mode, which is faith, strength, and courage. And if we can eliminate the fear and walk in that level of faith, strength, and courage, your life won't become perfect, but I'll guarantee you your life will become much more blessed and you won't have those kinds of problems. Now, some people, it's difficult. Even in my own case, it was two steps forward and three steps backwards. So it was a process. It was not an overnight transformation. And I find that with some of my clients. So there are people that have had to go back to two, three, four, some people five times um, until they finally got there and could grasp making that transformation and letting go. Some people have a hard time letting go, even though, you know, this is something that's been incredibly detrimental to them and has caused nothing but uh, fear and anxiety and stress and trauma, it's still very difficult to let go. Why? Because that's the familiar place. So it is even more frightening to people at times to jump into the uncharted waters and taking that leap of faith into the unknown in order for that transformation to take place. So that's why it's a process for some people. And then eventually, I always pray 
that they will get over that hump and then that transformation could take place. Now, in most cases, yes, that has happened. In some, I'm sorry to tell you, they just couldn't do it. They couldn't, they wanted to, but they just couldn't do it, especially if it were if, if it was a person that had substance abuse issues. Um, they wanted, you know, fully wanted to do it, but then would revert back into that world, which would keep the door open for evil to come in through the legal right. And so for people like that, you know, I, I continue to pray for them uh, and pray that they can get themselves to that place again. And if they contacted me, and I try to stay in contact with everybody, but as you can imagine, it's difficult. I'm one man. And you're talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that I've dealt with since 2013. So, uh, you know, I try my best, but it is difficult. And some of these people, unfortunately, do fall back into some of those things. Uh, if they contacted me again, I would absolutely help them. Uh, but it is just a matter of them being really honest with themselves. So for me, when I wanted to be done with that life of drinking and drugs, I was sincere and I cried out to God and really asked him to take it from me. And he did. So I feel that we have to have that level of sincerity and really be uh, you know, ready to make that change. Can you give us tips to help us prevent becoming oppressed or possessed like you know so even something simple like don't play with a ouija board if that's bad you know? oh dear god yeah it's an invocation so again what i've been saying here is that the devil and god allows this uh because god gave us free will so we're free to make our choices but there's going to be a consequence for choice and that's why the devil exists in the first place as the adversary of mankind based on the bad choice there's going to be a consequence so i say this especially when it comes to Ouija boards and uh, things that you know are absolutely evil. Uh, don't take them in. Don't partake in, in them. Don't take them in. Um, try and fill yourself with goodness. Even if you went on YouTube or something and looked up uh, babies, you know, babies laughing or little puppies or something like that, that would bring goodness and joy, you know, and a nice feeling uh, doing deeds, random deeds and acts of kindness for others, um, trying your best to stay positive and look at what we're living in now. I mean, and again, this is all by design as well. And God is allowing the devil to do this, but a great and terrible day is coming, Jeff, sooner than later when God finally has enough and boy, look out. So my best piece of advice for anybody out there that is trying to stay away from darkness and wickedness and evil, make God first. And, and again, this isn't phony televangelism. Uh, I'm not going to charge you $19.99 for me to tell you to make God first. I'm telling you really sincerely, truthfully, in authenticity, make God first. Develop a real and authentic relationship with God. You're not going to become perfect. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. God loves us in spite of ourselves. However, if you can develop a real and authentic relationship with God, making him first, the blessings that he will bestow upon you from there, you just won't believe it. God has made a way for me so many times in my life where there wasn't a way. I can recall times in my life being homeless, having to borrow $5 to get something to eat, um, horrible things. 
And God transformed my life from that into a very good and blessed life. So if he would do it for somebody like me, surely he'll do it for any of you. So that is my best piece of advice. Develop. And if you don't believe what I'm saying, pray about it. Ask God if if what I'm saying is true or not. And seek him out. And the closer you draw to him, the closer he will draw to you. And he'll send his son, Yahshua, Jesus, the Christ, into your life to guide you on the path back to him. And you'll say, wow, this guy, I can't believe it. He was telling the truth. My life is changing for the better. So if we can, it starts with God. And if we can invoke his power over us on a daily basis, then we will have a covering over us. So it is a protection, but it's also an empowerment. And if we have that source of empowerment, we can be bold in the sense that if we know that God's with us and for us, then nothing's going to stand against us. And that's how I could say, I'll never be a victim to anyone or anything again, because God is with me and for me. And in knowing that God's with me and for me, nothing is going to stand against me. And I praise God for that. Uh, are there any other just like basic sensible tips like, you know, avoid alcoholism, drugs, oh, of course. maybe, you know, like music or movies that seem demonic or i'm glad you're bringing this up jeff because it's all true and look for the people out there uh, you know that might say oh come on this guy's crazy please listen to what i'm saying to you um jeff and i talked about this before the broadcast uh and it's true we have to be very very careful what we do and what we take in because if we're bringing something and scripture tells us do not bring a cursed object in your home lest you be cursed like it um So we have to be very, very careful what we're bringing in and taking in and and whether that is through, you know, drinking and and, uh, drugs and um, certain types of music and entertainment, TV shows, movies, all of these things. You must be very, very careful. He mentioned Ouija boards. Absolutely true. It's all invocation, knowingly or unknowingly, willingly or unwillingly. It is invocation. And the devil can go to God and say, I can be there because this person did this and brought this in and I can be there and God will allow it because of free will. So I say, I urge you, be very, very careful. Furthermore, if you visit my website, BillJBean.com, I have a list of prayers on there that you can download, say them every day. Uh, I also have warning signs on there. the warning signs, the stages of, uh, you know, demonic possible, demonic oppression, possession, um, and also tips on there and things that you can do. I have a free, one of my books, uh, Jeff, I've offered for free. Uh, it's a free audio book called 10 Steps to Victory. Go onto my website. You'll see it there and click on it. And I pray that it'll be a blessing to you. So I'm doing everything that I can possibly do by the power of God to help my fellow man, not only to be free from evil, but to help to empower them and help them to move forward in a better relationship with God. I had another guest on before and she was a psychic and she is, I believe also been on one of the ghost shows that you have been on, on TV. She mentioned something about when she sees them out there, these things called soul catchers. Have you ever heard of that or encountered those? Well, again, it's all part of the demonic garbage 
And they're all soul catchers in a sense that, you know, anything that is not of God and anything that goes against our free will and tries to um, capture us in any way, uh, certainly that's not of God. And they want your soul. The devil ultimately wants your soul. And we all belong to God, even the devil. God created him too. He's created all of us. But yet, this adversary to mankind, and the next time I come back on, we'll get into this as to why and who he really is, in my opinion, and why he gets away with what he gets away with. Um, He wants to lead people away from God. And certainly, if he could capture their souls, you better believe he's all in for that and his minions as well. So there are different types of demons, but they all have the same purpose. And just as uh, God has a heavenly kingdom and a hierarchy, well, the devil, he mimics everything that God does, and he has the same thing, and he puts a vulgar twist on it. So, yes, there are different levels and, and types of demons, but they all really have the same agenda, and that is to kill, rob, and destroy. That's what it's really about. And so people need to be mindful of that. And the only way that we could guard against it is by invoking the power of God. All right. Um, let me transition here. You said that you have written eight books. Yeah. What is your newest book that you have out right now? Well, I just finished uh, the completion of the writing of that book, and it is called uh, Stranger Than Fiction 2. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's an amazing book, Jeff. It has uh, just so many different types of phenomena in there. And just as I did in the first book, it's about connecting the dots. So there are people that would disagree with this and say, oh, no, come on. Uh, you know, ghost and uh, the, the demonic stuff and all that, that's not linked to UFOs or you know, Mothman or Bigfoot or any of these types of things. Well, I beg to differ because I've had the experiences and I've gone to people many times over that have had the whole cavalcade of these types of experiences and they are very much connected. And um, it starts again with God, the creator of all things and uh, his angels And then, unfortunately, these demons and then the ghosts and the hauntings and the UFOs and the Bigfoot and the Mothman, these other cryptids and uh, the Mandela effect. Now we're living in a time that uh, things are changing and being changed. Things that we would swear, you know, read this way or look that way. And then they're not the same anymore. Uh, We could make a, a whole show out of that as well. Uh, so this is all featured in Stranger Than Fiction 2, and I highly recommend it uh, in the sense that if you're out there and you're seeking real answers and you have all these different questions and you've experienced different types of phenomena, when you read this book, again, it is a way of connecting the dots and bringing it all full circle to where you would have this understanding that this is all very much interconnected. So I highly recommend it. It's not available yet. It'll be out next month. Uh, maybe, Jeff, uh, you could have me on the show next month when it does come out, and then we'll we'll do a release of it, and uh, I'll let people know how they can get a copy of it. And uh, I'm just thankful again that uh, 
I was able to put this together. I had um, some incredible people that contributed to the book. So, uh, you know, with their different um, chapters, for instance, uh, you know, I have guests that came in on the uh, Ghost and Hauntings chapter, top-notch people, uh, same thing uh, with the Bigfoot and the Mothman and the, the Crowley and Volskine uh, chapter. I've had some top-notch people come in to contribute with their accounts, the angelic accounts as well. And so I highly recommend it. It is, uh, I'm not saying it because I wrote it. I, I think that it's going to be a great book. And I think it's going to be a very informative book for people. And I certainly hope that uh, many will not only get a copy, but appreciate uh, uh, the way that it's put together in connecting all these dots. Yeah, I think it's a great idea because I have so many more questions I can ask you, but I'm always limited on time. <laughs> And, uh, that's, yeah. and it's perfect. Uh, we need to get you back when you, once your book is out, talk about your book and then we can Fantastic. go through some, through, and go through some more of these questions before we wrap it up here. Do you have one last message you can give the audience? Well, I want to thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I've enjoyed it. Look forward to coming back and thank everybody out there for tuning in and watching this. And if you are in need if you are having some type of spiritual problem, if you feel like you're under demonic attack and whether that is through attachment or stronghold or being feeling like you're being cursed or whatever it may be, or if you have a loved one that you think is possessed, don't hesitate to contact me. You can contact me directly from my website, billjbean.com, and I'll get back to you or one of my assistants will get back to you and certainly try to help you as quickly as possible. All right, Bill. I can't appreciate enough um, how much you came up and gave us some good information tonight. Thank you very much. I wish you a good evening, and I will be seeing you soon. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it. God bless you and your family and everybody out there, and look forward to coming back again. All right. God bless you, and have a great night. Thank you.